You are listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hey, David. Uh, yes, Jack? Do you know what day it is? Uh, <laughs> yes, it's uh, Sunday the 5th of September, I believe. Uh, no, well, uh, yeah, but I mean it's Sonic Society Season 17. Well, yes, of course, I, that I did know as well. back yet again. Good morning, I'm Jack Ward, and if you are new here, this is the Sonic Society, the world's largest showcase of modern audio drama. Indeed so, and I'm David Alt. Welcome one and all. The Sonic Society is part of the Mutual Audio Network and runs weekly on the Sunday Showcase. You can subscribe to all your favourite places through the various feeds from Spotify to iHeartRadio, from good old RSS feeds, which is how I do it, to Apple Podcasts and beyond. You can also find us at sonicsociety.org, or rather usually we had a massive explosion on the site, and I have discovered that I have as the most recent backup uh, 2018. Actually, can we just go back to 2018? I mean, that that sounds like it might be a better yes. plan. <laughs> That's right. Get in the tortoise. <laughs> <laughs> With thanks to Chris Moody, we were able to get that much back up, but I'll be spending several long weeks daily trying to repost all the old posts unless I can come up with a better solution. Thank goodness for the Wayback Machine to help me find everything that was lost. Indeed, there has been a lot that's happened in the past three years. <laughs> Quite a lot, uh, not least of which this past summer we were busy. Uh, absolutely. Between MadCon 2021 Virtual, which you can watch all 18 panels on the Mutual Audio Network YouTube, or listen on Sundays for the Audio Replay Weekly. I think we're on our third panel discussion for the Friday sessions. Isn't that true, David? Well, uh, that's what it said in my notes on the Sunday Showcase, so if it's wrong, we know who to blame. Well, uh, thank you for your turn on the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse this year. It was another stellar season, and I'm only saddened that I couldn't contribute. But I'm trying to make it up as much as this week by I'm performing with Lion's Den Theatre, with thanks to Keith Morrison and Christine Daniels, a live The Shadow play. But since we're short on time, let's kick off Season 17 right now with a double feature with The Scarlet Cross from James O'Neill and the residents of Prosopina Park from Angela Yee. And it all begins right here on the Sonic Society. Oh, I've missed that too.
the 1st of June, in the year of our Lord, 1665. I had hoped that that virulent pestilence would never touch my beloved Cambridge. And now I see even here, in this seat of peace and tranquility, its wizened and deathly fingers pervading the streets and alleyways. Several houses along this very street have been shut up, and with a scarlet cross spread across their doors. Lord, have mercy on us. It is writ above the door. I say it often also. As a man of science, one would not imagine it should be so. But I find when you are faced with potential oblivion, if not oblivion that is inevitable in nature, it is best for one to keep the most open of minds. I do not wish to die. But if it is to be, then it shall be. In his letters, my friend Samuel writes that it is his diaries that are keeping him sane and straight. I believe the written form is a dying art, and that my humble experiment with tangible phonetics, as I have named it, will surpass the written word in its entirety. It is indeed how you, dear friend, are hearing my words and thoughts. So, how do I do it, you may ask? I will be brief and scant with my details, as the patent has not yet been granted, but... Pray excuse me, I, I fear it is the doctor. The doctor prescribed me bed rest and tobacco to smoke and to chaw. He also offered plague water. But I do not trust modern remedies, hastened and rushed by need for action by incompetent government. I am a man of science, and know that time must pass for answers to be found. An answer found in haste is only a palliative. The cure will come later. How long this pestilence will stay in the land, I do not know. We seem in its jaw and its grip shows no sign of slacking. Many hundreds have died, so I have been informed. The doctor himself, in his usual whispering, told as much, so I am confined to quarters, as I am not a well man. My lady Joan and Ely wishes I visit. I had to reply in the strongest terms. I am afeard to do so, lest I bring whatever blight I may be carrying in my carriage. The risk is too great, the cost too high. I should like to nestle with her again when the tide has turned and the scourge scourges no more. The only way, alas, to ensure that deliverance is to restrict visitations to the minimal in the extreme. I permit only my doctor. I should by training be able to administer my own treatment. But it has made my grasp slip and my hands tremble. 
It takes all of my effort to maintain the equipment to make this record of my thoughts. Oh, and now sleep. I must sleep. This morning I burned my wig from London. Again, Samuel instructs he burned his some time ago. He postulates it is possible it is made from the hair of the dead. I do not take chances. So it was cast to the flames at first light. I woke quickly, gripped with the thought, and I felt all the better for enacting. I then dispatched a final letter to Samuel telling him of my action, thanking him, and regretfully saying that perhaps further correspondence may be a risk to us also. And so ended our conversation. I signed it, saying we would speak again when this horror has passed. God preserve us. His previous letter I also cast to the flame. It was only once I did so that I thought of my lady and the letter I had writ. Could that be carrying the pestilence that could lurk in my body? I hope I have not sown that seed. I pray for her each night, but tonight I shall pray until I drift into sleep. On that point, I could not sleep last night. My dreams were fevered with dread and terror, clasping hands, pulling me downwards into the earth, into the mud, wailing cries of the dying and the stone silence of the dead, blackness encroaching on me and crushing my chest, my lungs wheezing black viscous, my lady crying in terror, crying in horror as her hair falls and her eyes turn dead and stale, her still gaze fixed on me, holding me frozen and unable to move, accusing me with furious anger. I plead, I beg, I insist, I, I, I am sorry, cry for forgiveness. She looks away, her skin translucent and empty, the sunlight penetrating through her, and then she's gone whistled away with the wind. And then I woke. It was this vision that put the fear into me that I may have, through my simple letters of affection and comfort, given passage for the sickness I tremble to think of. I only hope my prayers are enough. My doctor is peculiar in his manner and demeanour. He is tall and thin of figure, in long black robes that conceal every inch of flesh, his head hidden beneath a highwayman's hat and a gaunt mask that protrudes almost as a beak. I have seen him stalk the street at dusk when the mist is low, his candle illumining him in a halo, but I see no cart of the dead. 
No bodies stacked high. He works alone. Perhaps he makes judgment first, makes his report to those who collect the dead, and is on his way. It cannot be an easy life for my doctor. I see him in the dark, stooping to enter the doorways of the unfortunate, marked with the crimson cross. As I watch, I can feel a dread in me, fearing his approach. I oft wonder what he must say about me, what reports he must make of my condition, what my prognosis must be. And I wonder... He is here. I shall return. A most disturbing thing has happened that defies my explanation. Just now, as I have spake, I went to allow my doctor entry to my chamber. Again, he stooped to enter the room, dressed as always in black and hat and mask, his breathing rustling and muffled, never changing, always constant and unworried. It could be calming to some, and indeed I have no doubt that it is, but to me it grows sinister, unerring, unnerving. Sometimes I can scarce believe a living being resides among the garb he wears. Anyway, this is not what disturbs me. I opened the door, and his ghostly figure greeted me with wisps of the mist fringing him. He eased past me and placed his solitary candle on my table. I caught a glance of my door before I closed it shut and was relieved to see it was free from any door but red. No red cross, no death mark for me. He administered his usual treatment examined my body and said nothing. Uh, I believe it is possible the contagion is spread through word of mouth. I have not heard otherwise. His silence could be medicinal. And... And then he left. A pat on my shoulder to signify the examination's end. He then retrieved his candle and left my home. It was then I saw it. As he opened the door, as it swung inwards for a moment or two, on its outward surface was scrawled the thick red lines of a cross. The mark of oblivion that had not been there but moments before. So who daubed it there? I have not seen him work in partnership. I have seen no emissary scuttle from doorway to doorway, daubing the scarlet paint. My doctor is forever alone. So who put the mark on my door? How came it there? I felt my blood freeze as I saw it and shook my head with disbelief.
I do not know what day it is. I am a spent man. I did not sleep last night. I could not. As I lay in my bed, I could see the scarlet cross burn through the outside of my door and into the interior. It is not real, but there it was in my mind's eye. And my beloved Joan before me. And as night burned away into the dawn, I am certain my doctor was with me, standing at the foot of my bed. I could hear his muffled breathing, steady as always. With a blink of my eye, he was gone, and morning was upon me. Oh! Oh! I feel great discomfort within great distemper. The light from my window seems stale and hollow and grows dimmer every morning. Some great snuff is being lowered on the flame of my life. I do not know nor cannot say how much longer I may have until my doctor comes once more for his final visitation. I am also nearing the end of what materials I need to maintain the apparatus I use to document my... these documentations that I trust you are listening to this very moment. Wax is hard to come by now. When this cylinder is complete, I shall have nothing more. So I feel that I must choose my words and make them significant and of import. My doctor says it is nearly time. I do not recall him entering my chamber, but there he was, as always, looming over me, his husking breath restrained and unchanged. In fact, he says my time has already passed. And somehow I remember how limp my body went, how gaunt I had become, how still in death I fell. I was spent, but life still clung to my bones. There I sat on the edge of my bed, upright and alive, it ebbing from me, but palpably alive. And then, with a stroke, it was extinguished. And what I remember, before my body slackened and fell asunder, was my doctor standing before me, his candle flickering on the table beside him, his slender skeletal hand raising, and his empty face, as the beaked mask was withdrawn from it, the hollow features, the creature that was not man, the eyes that were grey as snow, that seemed for all the world to not be his own, but chosen for my benefit. A featureless face, a mouth that appeared as a pencil smudge that blurred and ruptured the face.
the pull as his intake lunged for my soul and the inexorable grip that ripped it from my body. All that remains is this whisper of who I was. A living shadow. And like a shadow, I am fading. Soon I will be nothing. Just this voice in wax. A corpse for the cart. And he will find another. 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 Find was performed by Anton Lesser and written by James O'Neill with sound design and music by Paul Freeman. Today is March 15, 2016. This is Alina investigating on the current assignment for Journalism Inquiry 201, quote-unquote, boring but important news. I decided to investigate an online debate sparked regarding whether or not the correct number of public parks were listed in the local paper, a few stating an additional park at the far side of Levi-Strauss Ave. Which, side note, is of course on the exact opposite side of town. Anyways, I am currently coming up on the supposed location of the rumored fourth park. Now, (laughs) there are apparently some fancy rules to get to the park. Okay, so apparently the park entrance only appears at certain hours of the day. (laughs) Whatever, it'll be an easy A. Where am I? What? I... I swear I was just on the sidewalk. This is... weird. Maybe I zoned out while I was talking? But... I didn't... I don't see the entrance. Or the exit. No, okay, no, I I got this. No big deal. Drew! I know you're listening, because I'm synced to the cloud, so you better come find me. And I guess the only thing to do now is check out the park. 
So I'll describe what I'm seeing. It's crazy big for a park that's only rumored to have existed. Like, this is far as the eye can see grass plains. Which in itself is pretty weird. What kind of park has tall grass plains? Feels like a snake or something could be hiding in there, so I'm gonna stick to the path. You know, it's just so quiet. Like, something is missing. Like, where are all the people? Maybe this isn't a public park. Oh, I hope I'm not trespassing again. Okay, turned off the mic to conserve some battery, so quick update. I've been walking around for about half an hour now, and the path is just endless. I noticed a pond or like a lake close to one of the side roads that I'll probably check out later. And it seems like there's a big patch of trees, possibly a woods area up ahead as well. But the biggest news and the reason why I turned the mic back on is because I finally spotted someone and he's reading in a park like in all those unrealistic rom-com movies and I need to go talk to him and hope he's not a murderer and knows how to get out of this freaking park. Excuse me? Hi. Uh, so sorry to interrupt your evening. My name is Alina. I'm, I'm currently working in a school report. Oh my god. You, your, your dog has three heads. No, sir. Sit. Be nice. Um, hi. <laughs> uh, nice doggy. Sorry, I totally didn't mean to blurt that out. It just, uh, really caught me by surprise. Yeah, I keep him out of public view for the most part. Cerberus, no, sit. No, 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 I mean, I totally didn't mean to be this rude. There's nothing wrong with your dog. Dogs? Are they singular or plural? Oh my god. I I'm just not gonna look at them. It's not a problem. He can't help who he is. But who are you? Oh, yes. This has been completely unprofessional of me. My name is Alina. I'm a student reporter investigating a current online rumor about this park. You're here for homework? Yes. And I thought this was just a dumb prank. But now that I'm here, it's so crazy that this huge area hasn't been accounted for. Like, can you imagine what could be done with this place? I think it'd be best to leave everything as is. Oh. Okay. You know, you seemed really surprised to see me here. I couldn't really tell if this was a private or public park since I didn't see any signs or gates. This is a public park, but not in the way you're thinking of. Okay. Can you please go into more detail about that matter? Oh, and just for the record, I am recording audio for my article. Wow, you really take your homework seriously, don't you? Anyways, I think you should think of a new topic to write about. I don't think anything you write about here would be believable to anyone. Well, that would be up to me to decide. I want to know everything about the park, including your name and maybe your number, and I will do my best to disclose the truth. My name is Sam, and this park isn't exactly that safe. It holds everything you could possibly imagine, even your worst nightmare. Is that a threat? All for staying in a park? No, it's... look, this isn't how it usually goes. 
What do you mean? Look, most people get the picture just glancing at Sir. You've obviously been trying, very gallantly I might add, not to look at him. But here, take a closer look. They won't bite. Mm, like, how close do I have to be? Close enough to notice that he's not a dog. Okay, what? What is that sound? Wait, are those... snakes? Feel free to pet them if you like. The snakes don't bite either. Uh, I think I'll keep my hands to myself for now, thanks. So, does he have snakes as fur, or are those snakes, like, attached to him? Not sure, to be honest. I've tried counting how many there were when I was younger, but the number constantly changes. So, if he's not a dog, what is he? I thought his name would give it away. Guess you're not as famous as I thought, huh, Cerberus, you silly monster, you. Cerberus. As in the Cerberus of the underworld, and all that mm, Greek mythology stuff. That Cerberus. Yeah. And why do you have him? Well, he's not mine. I'm just the dog walker. A dog walker. I was just as shocked as you were when I met him. And why are you telling me this? Because this should scare you? I, I literally have a real monster sitting next to me. To, to be honest, most people want to leave just looking at him. He gives off this whole, you're mortal and your time is dwindling, the next time we meet you won't be alive kind of feel. I mean, yeah, you saw how scared I was before, but it looks like he's asking for belly rubs right now. Hold it, hold it. I just told you that this is the real Cerberus, and you're fine with all of this? If he's the real Cerberus, and this park is real and filled with mythical creatures, then this is the ultimate dream. I mean, I'm a journalist. Learning something this new, this big? Can you imagine the headlines? It's dangerous. Mythology was created to warn people of the past what not to do. There are thousands of creatures here that were just created to kill you. Then what are you doing here? I'm saying this for your own good. Please, the last thing we need is for a flock of ignorant people coming in here and getting themselves killed. Well, Cerberus seems pretty docile to me. Kind of. Cerberus is a guard dog. His job is to make sure people who are dead are dead, and people who aren't stay away. So how bad can the rest of the park be? Cerberus is in a category of creatures called black dogs. There are stories all over Europe about the terror that they bring. They're bearers of death, and they're not to be messed with. Like what? Tell me. There were so many cases. People just knew to beware of black dogs. But there are some famous ones, like the Bargest or the Black Shuck, both from Great Britain who were dogs the size of cows. They'd show up at night, mostly targeting solo travelers. Sometimes they'd have large, glowing red eyes, and the only hint that you get that they were coming is a house so chilling it will freeze your blood. You only have a second, maybe less, to close your eyes before they appear. Close your eyes? Why close them? Shouldn't you run if a giant dog is coming at you? Okay, first of all, please, don't ever run if a dog is coming at you. This triggers their hunting instinct and causes them to want to attack you even more. 
You're supposed to just stand there and be standoffish so they'll leave you alone. This is pretty common knowledge. It's We're not even just talking about magical creatures here. Okay. No need for scolding here. Sorry. It's just you actually are interested about this, but I'm trying to get into your head that is dangerous. I get it. I'd still like to know more, please. Fine. Talking is fine, but no snooping. No investigating, please. This park is for the creatures, not for the humans to roam. Thanks. I really do appreciate it. I know I can come off strong to people. Can we start over? Alina, I'm 20 years old. Journalism major. Always working in my next scoop. Sam, I guess I'm just a glorified dog walker? Wow. Really gonna have to pull teeth, don't I? I prefer you don't do that either. <laughs> well, at least you can joke. So can we keep talking about these dogs? You mentioned something about closing your eyes. Yes, I haven't ever tried to prove the theory since I mean I'd be risking my life, which I'd prefer not doing. But I think it makes the most sense. In most cases, seeing them is a warning you'll die. You can't die if you don't see the omen. Did you just meme your solution to death? I know, not the best. But I'd rather close my eyes than to see death itself drop me a visit for a save the date. So most likely you're still screwed. Kinda. There was one story about the Black Shuck that was even worse. Remember what I said about how they appear alone in the night? Well, one night, out of nowhere, it just attacked a church, murdering people immediately instead of maintaining its normal distance. After that, it was practically branded the devil. Uh, hold up. Why do these creatures exist? You mentioned before that mythology was used to warn people. Right. You know how as kids we learn about the three little pigs and the boy who cried wolf? Stories like that teach us not to be lazy or lie. Mythology is the same thing. For the black dogs, their stories probably spread due to concerns about late night travel and the dangers of thunderstorms. Stray dogs were really common back then, and seeing them on a dark stormy night? <laughs> what guy wouldn't be terrified. The church incident realistically could have been caused by a storm gone wrong, but rumors fly, things get exaggerated, and the next thing you know, these dogs are gigantic beasts who scare people to death. And they're here? In this park? Yes, although I don't know about you, but I don't tend to come to parks late at night during a storm, so I think we're safe. <laughs> Very true. Listen... Thanks again for spending the time talking with me today. This was very useful. You can't tell anyone about this park or bring anyone here. I know, you were right. No one will believe the story. I'll have to think of something new for my homework. But this, this is for my own personal curiosity. <laughs> You're crazy. I prefer driven. Would you mind giving me your contact info? I'd love to be able to talk to you more. If you want more information about this place, just find me. I'm always on this park bench. It's Cerberus' favorite spot. Okay. I see. Don't think I won't find out who you are exactly. But for now, I have one more question. Shoot. How exactly do I leave this place? There wasn't exactly an entrance or exit. Oh, this place is hidden due to fairy magic. But it's very much connected to Earth, just like the fairies. So the best times to enter the park are... 6 a.m., noon, 6 p.m., and midnight. After the consecutive hour passes, you just return where you started and you gradually get back onto the streets. Oh, great. 
thought I was stuck here when I first found this place. Don't worry, someone would have found you. Eventually. Attention listeners all around, it is time to introduce my best friend for life, Drew. Stop it, Alina. This is embarrassing. Hey, my mic, my rules. Now, I know I'm breaking a couple of rules here by A, talking about the park without Sam, and B, bringing someone else to the park, but this is Drew. This is like their dream come true. Oh man, I still remember in middle school, you used to be so obsessed with vampires and magic and how you wanted to be spared okay, away. Okay, okay, enough of the cringe fest. I apologize for my childhood upbringing. Can we please move on? Yes, I can't wait to show you. Not that I've seen a lot, but still. I'll definitely make sure we see something today, I swear. You know I'm down for any adventure you want to take us on. Which is why you brought a bat? Well, it's no Cerberus, monster of the underworld. But I figure it's better than nothing. Anyways, tell me more about the Sam guy. Okay, it's kind of weird because on one hand, he's really nice, and he actually takes the time to tell me stories, but on the other hand, he is totally hiding something, and I want to know exactly what they are. Oh, Alina, not again. I can't help it! Whenever I try and ask for more information about him, he changes the topic. But the creatures? He could blab about them for hours. And that just makes you even more interested in what he's hiding. Exactly. There's got to be something I'm missing, and I'm going to find it. Come on, let's go. So, here we are. I know it doesn't look very magical, but think of it as like a safari that just happens to contain mythical creatures. Dude, we just somehow appeared in this magical land. I am already on board. Okay, which way do you want to go? We should probably avoid the usual path I take, just in case Sam is there. What about the pond you mentioned the first time you were here? Did you ever go back and check it out? No. Oh, let's go. Maybe we'll see some mermaids. Ugh, I've already apologized for liking basic creatures, haven't I? Oh, I mean, but I kind of do want to see mermaids. Oh, all right, let's do this. Do you remember anything from what you read about mermaids? Kinda. So, like, mermaids are one of those creatures that every culture has. I'm talking Japan and the Ningo. Russia and the Rusalki, or France and the Melusine. Sometimes they're also gods who are related to storms, floods, and drowning, but they typically fall into the categories of saviors or killers, depending on the story. I've never heard of those creatures before. Uh, I know about sirens, which I guess are the killer types. Well, the two categories make sense, though. Mermaid stories are often told by sailors or people who live near the water. And if you're out there, you're constantly fighting the ocean or loneliness. Although that's not always the case. The Rusulker is said to be connected to fertility and agriculture, taking care of crops by watering them. They would have long, beautiful green hair and dance under the moonlight. But later on, the story did become about young women who drowned or committed suicide. They became spirits who would call out humans into the water and drown them. Humanity really likes stories about that, I guess. <laughs> well, we know why. <laughs> yeah, sadly we do. Well, I'd still like to meet them. Hopefully if we're nice, 
they won't drown us? Uh, I don't think murder works that way. Wait, but if mermaids live in oceans and stuff, would we even see them in a pond? Look, there's like cute lily pads and flowers here. We're in a park that you say contains mythical creatures. I don't think we should be concerned about types of bodies of water. What are you brats doing in my territory? What on earth is that? It looks like a walking, talking turtle with a beak. Please tell me that's not the sexy fish person sailors are dreaming about. If it is, I would like to reject everything I read in seventh grade. <laughs> Watch your mouths, you dumb humans. I am a kappa. What's a kappa? I swear the disrespect. This is why I was for closing the gates for good. Oh, look, she has a bowl on top of her head. You think it's attached? Pay attention to me. Kappas are very famous. They're actually the most famous creatures of Japanese culture. Ooh, a creature from Japan? Oh, that's pretty cool. Mm, it says here online that they're a type of Japanese demon that likes sumo wrestling. Oh, never mind. Sounds lame. No, <laughs> how dare you? Sumo is the ultimate sport. No other activity shows the beauty of the human body quite better than that. Why don't you come by the water and I'll show you. Uh, I think we're good, thanks. Miss Kappa, I have a question. If you're a creature from Japan, how do you know English? Oh, it's all just the human tongue to us. If you know how to speak, you can. So can every creature speak in the park? No, only the ones born with speech are able to. Sometimes I feel like I'd be better off not speaking, so I wouldn't have to respond to humans like you. Do you get a lot of visitors in this park? I was under the impression that no one really knew about it. There haven't been visitors for a while now. Most don't really have a nice experience here if you catch my drift, and old Jerry would have to bring them back out of the park. Jerry? Who's Jerry? The park ranger. Who else? This is an actual park, after all. Oh, can I meet this Jerry person? How do I find them? I wouldn't really call them a person, per se. I believe they're on vacation now, so that's how you brats entered in the first place. So there is a kind of security in the park. Say, do you know a guy named San? He has a three-headed dog with him, usually. No. So you know the angsty boy now, do you? Angsty? That's not how you described him. I thought he was pretty cute. He does wear a lot of black, but I thought that just came with the whole I read books in the cafe look. Except for him, it's the park. He's gotten worse these past few years. He used to at least wear navy now and then. Wait, did something happen? <laughs> and what do I get for telling you this information? That is a very creepy smile. Let's not bargain with the little green... But, but being in a park like this, there has to be a story here. Cool. Well, I'm sure we can find someone else to talk to. What if we can't find anyone else? Enough. Just give me your shirikodama. What the? Did you just try to grab my ass? Hey, stay away from us, you freak. Don't think I won't hurt you. I, uh, I got a bet. Watch where you're swinging that thing, you're going to hit my bowl. Good. Then stay back. We don't even have a Shiriko thingy anyways. 
All humans have a Shirikodama. It is your very own soul. We're not giving you our souls. Hold still! The Shirikodama is located in the human anus. All I have to do is reach in and... Oh, fuck that! Hey, 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 hey! That's, that's way too close. Stop it! Stop it! Oh! And to think, you were ready to meet beautiful, murderous mermaids. Oh, that was the exact opposite of what I wanted. I don't think I ever clenched my butt so hard before. Ugh, same. Let's go, like, I don't know, see something far away? Like, bird watching. Agreed. And that's this week's show and the end of our Season 17 opener. Please join us next week, same time, for a last little Midsummer Madness. Oh, the clues! The clever clues! Yes, Jack, that you write into the show notes. That you write here in the show notes. Hang on, I just said that. (laughs) Yes, it's in the show notes twice. It's it's in the show notes. (laughs) I mean, point taken. (laughs) While I work out why the uh, show notes are written just like that, we will see you back here. Do check out the other show notes at the Sonic Society website when they appear. But until then, I'm David Alt. And I'm Jack Ward. And have a lovely day. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. No, what? Yes, I mean. But but I mean it's Sonic Summer Stock Season 17. Uh, no, it's not, Jack. It's the Sonic Society Season 17. The Summer that, Stock's that finished. That's right. Let me get that right. <laughs> <laughs> How tired am I? And this is going in as bloopers. <laughs> There are many things that we can all do that may help stop the spread of the coronavirus. But one thing we can all do is to have a plan in case you do get sick. First, consult with your health care provider for more information about monitoring your health for symptoms suggestive of COVID-19. Second, stay in touch with others by phone or email. You may need to ask for help from friends, family, neighbors, community health workers, or more if you become sick. And finally, determine who can care for you if your caregiver gets sick. For more information, go to cdc.gov 
and be well, everyone. <laughs>